What I'm wanting to do is play on that word, on character, because what we have for this word comes from this picture, basically, an image, an engraving, an exact representation, just like the way Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, that Jesus Christ is the express image of our Father in heaven. And we don't need to understand it from this physical picture because naturally we don't know what Jesus looks like. But there is an image that he represents. It's the very image in which we have been created. Just as Steve mentioned this morning in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26 following. And so we're talking about this from a standpoint that we're looking at our character. We're looking at the person who we truly are. And is this image of ourselves an express image of our Savior? The ones that we have been crafted after when we have been one in Christ Jesus. And so in Proverbs 22 and verse 1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. It's not about what we have. It's not about how fine we look. It's about the character of an individual. Our name, if you will. And we bear the name Jesus Christ in our lives. We bear the name Christian as disciples of our Lord. And that's why we had the song led for us by our brother, by, by Gordon, where we want to be made like our, ser- like our servant and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to be a servant like him. We want to be just like our Savior. We want to have that character. And so we're looking at this concept of having this good name, concept of having this character. And I believe if we're going to raise our children in such a manner that we want them to have a character that we would be, first of all, proud of as parents. But secondly, looked upon as one that we're developing to be just like Jesus Christ. Then guess what we have to do? We've got to have that character in our lives. We cannot expect that of our children. We ourselves are not going to live in such a manner as so people would not recognize Christ in our lives. And so far from being perfect, that's why we need a Savior in Jesus Christ. We strive to emulate this very command that he gave. In the midst of his sermon. Where he says, therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And that's what we're wanting to be. We want it to be the express image of our Savior. We want to be just like our God. And if we're going to do that, we'll have this good name, if you will. We'll have the name of Christ bearing forth through our lives. And the thing is, as faithful Christians, we should understand this value of this true character. Where we have this engraving. And what I mean by that is, what we need to have is this concept where we're getting rid of this old man of sin. And we're bearing forth and bringing out, making it very clear who we are. It's almost like that engraver as he's chiseling away all the unwanteds. All the sin. And what he's doing is bringing out the picture that brings the beauty of what we're trying to have engraved. That's what we have here. And when we can get to that point, it's priceless. You get to have individuals look at you and and really want to be just like you. Not because you're anything special, but because you look like Jesus Christ. You're an express image of him. And so these are the things that I'm hoping that we'll look at this morning when we talk about our lives and then what we do to engrave those things in the lives of our children or grandchildren. Or those whom we look after. And so, 
many people in this world, though, when, when they see this kind of character and they see the attempt of what we're trying to do in having our lives engraved or molded, if you will, in the way of our Savior, they'll scoff at it. They'll ridicule and mock these ideologies that we have. I've had enough Bible studies with atheists and agnostics and, and others from various religions outside of the professed Christian religion, and they make fun. I've had that happen to me. But God himself will exalt you. And that's who we're pleasing, right? Had a young brother that we had a Bible study with a week ago. And he's actually going to come up today and we'll have that Bible study at the Gilbert's house. And, and I was very encouraged by what he had to say. Because he has a very minimal understanding in, in some ways from God's word. And yet he gets it. He said, listen, I'm not going to stand before you on the day of judgment, right? Right. I'm going to stand before my God. I said, yeah. Well, then I have to have my convictions before him. And I'm going to have to look at God's word. And while I hear what you're having to say to me, I have to stand before him, not before you. Absolutely. We're not standing before the world. And we're not even standing necessarily before each other, although we use judgments. And we make discernments as to what is right and what is wrong and how we are living before one another. But we're going to stand before our God, and God is the one who will exalt us if we are living in His image. And those are the things that we want to do. And so we want to engrave this character because it's so important. We're talking about a deliberate, accurate, and thorough employment in raising our children. Now, I want to ask you this question. How many of us as parents, if our children have grown up and gone away, feel like in some ways you've missed the mark? That if you could do it all over again, you would, and you would do it very differently. I get this more and more from so many of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are mothers and fathers today, and, and, and these parents who are older and have been in Christ for a while, they'll say, listen, please, take advantage of what time you have. Raise your children up in the way they should go. Because it's hard. And I wish I was more deliberate. I wish I was more consistent. I wish I was more thorough in the way I was raising my children. And, and there are many with great intentions starting just... I mean, we have so many young families here with children. And I know you're on fire for wanting to raise your children in the way they should go. And this is, I hope, a great lesson for you in that regard. But what you're wanting to do is have this imprint of Jesus Christ in their lives. That's what you're wanting to create. And I know there are always going to be times over the course of, of raising our children. And I tell you what, the more children you raise, the more diversity you have. That's all. I speak from experience. <laughs> you have all kinds. And you want all of them to be just made in the image of our Savior. And so we're told, again, this exact representation. That's what we want from our children. To be just like our Savior. Now... That said, when we look at the seriousness of this endeavor, how many of us as parents, as parents, do this faithfully and diligently each day? That throughout the course of the day, there may be lessons that you could sit by your child's side and say, here's why I want you to do what I'm asking you to do. And here's the reason why this applies to the will of God and how you can be just like our Savior. 
I have this picture of, I don't know, anyone knows who this is in the picture? That's Frederick. That's right. Some of you know who he is. Godly young man, godly young father. They're expecting their fourth child. And the thing that, that is encouraging about Frederick, and that's why I asked him for this, that I could put this picture of him, is because he and his wife Heather, they diligently and they faithfully try to raise their children every day in the way of the Lord. And there are many families that are trying this. But are we consistent throughout these years? You see, when we look at these, these moments in our lives, and the moment comes and goes by, and we look back going, how did I handle that? And why did I do it this way? Because what happens is the fruit of those labors are going to be seen. Well, they're going to be seen in the lives of your children. And they're going to further engrave their own character based upon how you handle that one moment. And the accumulation of all those moments that make up what we call parenting. And the same thing is true as we live our own lives. As we make our own decisions, the things that we do, if they are inconsistent with the will of God, with the nature of our God, or if it's more like the nature of this world. And our children are going to see that. And it's going to shape their decisions. It's going to shape how they make their decisions and why they make their decisions. And that's very important for us. And so we're going to look at engraving then character into our children and we're going to apply first those things in our own life. And so the first thing I want us to do is when we look at this concept of chiseling, if you will, this concept of engraving, making this image when we all start off, it's just like my son. I remember uh, last month, or maybe two or three. Oh, time is going by so fast. Some time ago, <laughs> Dane was was wanting to play on some games, on the video games and everything. And Julian said, "No, uh-uh, no more. Turn it off. Turn it off for the next. I don't know, one week, one month. I don't know how long it was." And we said, "Well, why don't you draw?" Well, I don't know how was his word. So we had that little complaining tone, right, son? <laughs> And, and we said, just draw. And so that first day, he does a little bit of drawing and then he decides to do some tracing. Next day, he does a little bit more. And by the third day, he says, you know, I kind of like this. And as the weeks went on, he started drawing on his own. And you could actually, I mean, it was better than me. Mine is stick figure. That's as good as I get. But you actually saw some things where he's, Adding some dimensions and some textures and what have you in, in people's faces and in their bodies and, and what have you. And so it's just like this when you take that graving or engraving, when you're trying to shape something. And when I was his age, my thing was wood burning. When you take a slab of wood, just a block, and from there you make something. Now, I don't know what it was that I made. and I couldn't even describe it to you. But my intention was to have it look like something that I had seen from another engraver, this wood burner. What you want to do is you want to chisel out those things that are undesired so that you get what's left, what you do desire. And the same thing is true when we look at God's word and we see what happens when we have our children to begin with. As sweet as they are and as cute as the sounds are. Look at what happens. Psalm 58, verse 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. I don't like that verse. Throw it out of the Bible. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Isn't that true? Where's Allie? I think it was Allie. She's about two years old 
And somehow she gets into mom's brownies. Brown all over her face. Allie, did you eat the brownie? No. Come on now, Allie. Are you sure you didn't? Did not eat the brownie. I mean, and she was as sure as day that she did not eat the brownie. She was telling the truth. She was lying to us. That happens. And they know that they're lying too. I mean, we, we, oh, they don't know that they're lying. They're just, oh, she was lying. She knew she was lying. Even Carrie Lynn is 18 months old. Is she 18 months old? I want to make sure. 18 months old. And we'll tell her, okay, it's time for bed. And it runs away. She knows what's going on. So I know Allie knew what was going on with that brownie. And so we, we have this concept of children being so cute and everything, but yet what are we constantly doing? Trying to teach them the way they should go. We want to get rid of those lies and maybe the stubbornness and all kinds of things that we don't want to see in their lives. How many of us lie? Let's be very frank and honest. We lie. We might twist a situation so that it's to our advantage by our word choices. And we might give ourselves maybe a better view than, than who we are. We might show ourselves a little more humble than we really are. We might show ourselves in various ways that are, well, to be frank, deceptive. And we want our children to always tell the truth. We've got to look at the mirror and see how we are living. So that we know the things that we are trying to chisel out of our own lives are the very things in consistency with what we are trying to do with our own children. And I'll tell you, this is hard to do. It's really difficult. One of the things Julie and I prayed about, in particular, I hate picking on, on Allie, but she stands out with, with us in many ways. <laughs> I'm sorry, Allie, I have to do this. <laughs> She's the most stubborn. <laughs> Dane is pretty close. But Allie, she takes the cake. Stubborn. Now, how many of you know how stubborn Allie is? See, no one raised their hand, either because you're shy, you're not supposed to do it in public, or she is so sweet. Not Allie, or itty-bitty pretty. Allie's the most stubborn, because when she believes something, she'll go to her grave. I mean, she'll take her spanking for it. In fact, it's not worth getting spanked on her end, because she didn't lie, or she didn't do this or that. And she's so stubborn about it. I said, Julie, God is blessing us. Well, how so, Mitch? <laughs> I said, because our character is being refined right now with Allie. <laughs> we have to see that the very things, and I, I realize I'm stubborn, and, and the girls know. <laughs> but the very thing that I don't like in her, I have to work on in my own life. And the very thing that I want her to get over, I need to get over. And I said, here's the blessing, hon. If we can train Allie up in the way that would be in the image of our Savior, take that stubbornness, and now it turns into awesome conviction. Chisel out what we don't want, and now we have the picture of Christ in her life. I want to say this about Allie. Wow. That girl is turning into my Savior. And I'm proud to see that in her life. 
I see it in the decisions she makes today. I see the effort that she's trying not to be stubborn and rebellious against mom and dad. I see an effort that is beautiful. That's part of the engraving. I see it in Malia Kay. I see it in Carly. Carly, she's going through that now. She's getting better. <laughs> Where are you, hon? <laughs> Dane and Levi. Well, you saw what happened to Levi this morning. Some of you did. <laughs> they, need, they need a lot of work, a lot of chiseling. That's because we're born and we have fleshly ways. And when we're born again in the Lord, if you will, guess what? We still have fleshly ways and we have to learn how to be like our Savior. We have to make that effort by faith. But what a beautiful transition to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we can do exactly what Paul said to the brethren at Rome in Romans chapter 12. And so we're talking about chiseling out all these things. And tell me, parents... If we could just chisel it out like we're doing some carving and it'd be done in one or two days or one or two weeks or one or two months, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that we could just chisel out the talking back. Don't talk back. That's wrong. The same way that we might talk back to the Lord, like, I didn't like that passage, Lord. That passage speaks very, very bad of children and babes. Or those disrespectful tones. I mean, that's one thing for my child to do something wrong, but if they have a tone that in my ears is disrespectful, I get hot fast. I don't like disrespectful tones. Or how about when they roll their eyes? Look at what Proverbs 30 says in verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. <laughs> Children, watch your eyes. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. I mean, rebellion, disrespect, those things are just wrong. They're sinful. They do not help you to become a child of God that submits yourself willingly unto his ways. To be like Jesus Christ, who submitted himself to his father and was in perfect in every way in obedience. In fact, one of these days we're going to have a sermon and it's going to be dealing with our preteens and our teenagers and expectations that by the time they're of a particular age, how they should actually behave. And this is not a picture of how they should be. But these are the things that go on. And I remember, I think it was a month ago, um, I forget now what Dane was complaining about, but it was bad enough where, I mean, for four hours he's writing. I mean, his hand was cramped. Writing all the way till about 10.30, almost 11 o'clock at night. That he was not going to grumble, he was not going to complain. And I tell you, those are things that we want out of their lives. We want to chisel them out. And so in the process, whenever we're going to be doing that with our children, they're going to be able to fill those voids, hopefully, with the good things, godly things, things that bring fruit and bring glory to our God. And so we'll talk about these things, address and speak to, to others respectfully, the way we need to speak to each other, brethren. Or that we'll fulfill our obligations with excellence, with maturity, not grumbling and complaining. That goes on too much in the Lord's church today. That's why we're so immature in the body of Christ. Yet we expect those wonderful qualities in our children. We need to work on ourselves so that we can on our children. And so here's some of the scriptures that I want us to look at. If we're going to have this beautiful picture and engraving that when people see us, they see our God. 
Just like in Matthew chapter 5, when you read verses 14 through 16, that they may see God through our works. How about 1 John chapter 5, verse 13? Look at what it says there. Not verse 13, but verse 3. What shall we be doing? But keeping the commandments of God. Listen, I've seen brethren keep the commandments of God, but not the last part of verse 3. And they're not burdensome. Tell your children to clean the room and they can hem and haw and everything and clean the room. And it just doesn't bring joy to me. But tell them to clean the room and they go right at the task and they do it with their zest and their zeal. Man, there's no prouder moment as a parent to see them doing what you want them to do. And they do it with joy. We need to be keeping the commandments of our God. They not be burdensome. Do you know that when we as parents, let's say we're going to come to church, it's like, oh, we've got to go to church. Versus we get to praise our God. We get to praise Him here, get to praise Him there, wherever we're at, wherever it's in Franklin or anywhere in this world, where we get an opportunity to come together on the Lord's day to praise Him. That joyful obedience. That we get to lay by in store. That we get to share in each other's burdens rather than it's cramping my game that I want to watch. There's a big difference in how we serve the Lord. It's our attitude. Do we have it with joyful obedience? How about with moral excellence? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, that we add to our faith virtuous qualities. And among them is moral excellence. That when we do something, we do it well. Not what we should be doing when serving the Lord. Do it with moral excellence. I mean, that's what makes Christians stand out in serving Christ. Is that we do things with excellence. Or how about in John chapter 13 when Jesus is before his disciples and he is washing them, if you will. Washing their feet. And he says, I've done this as an example for you, that you would be this way. That we would have a heart of a servant. Like, how can I serve? One of the things that we decided when we were going to come here to work with y'all, the children, we need to think about families that we can serve when we're here. And it's a joy to have Julie and myself and Malia and Allie and Carly and, well, Dane and Levi soon, hopefully, with Carrie Lynn to follow. They can serve. You know, can we help a family out? Or various families in these situations. I want my children to grow up with a desire to serve. Because now when it comes to serving the Lord, they have that heart's desire. How can I serve my Lord? That's very important. And as parents, then we need to set forth this example. If we're not willing to serve ourselves, how can we expect our children? And I'll tell you, we live in a society, it's... What can you do for me? Where's my benefit? Rather than just like our Savior, who always was serving. Just look at the stories in the New Testament Scriptures of every time He is seeking and and helping those because He wanted to serve. Oh yes, He was a teacher. And He taught many wonderful truths. The best truth of all is our salvation through Him. But he served. 
And he showed us as a servant how to serve. That's what we want in our children. And by the way, we were, I had that passage in Luke chapter 2. When you read verse 51 and 52, look at what happens when he was 12 years old. He lived with obedience to his parents all those years. Teenage years. Humble obedience. What a great example. And here's one more point that I want us to get as we look at, at some final things. That is this. I want our children to struggle through these years. I don't want it to be easy. Toil, pain, and difficult trials are necessary. Isn't that what the scriptures tell us? Look at what, what the passage in God's word says. Romans 5 says, We exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. And proving character hope. That's what we want. Children's lives should not be easy. Or we might want it to be, but that's the flesh talking. We want their character to be molded. And that's not going to happen without toil. Without trials that they're faced with. That they have to think through certain things. So their character is tested and they can grow from it. And so through these trials and tribulations, they learn these virtuous qualities. How to persevere. Yesterday, Dane wants to build, make this tent. Daddy, can you help me? No. Go ahead and build the tent. <laughs> it's hard for an eight-year-old and a six-year-old to build a tent. Especially when they don't have directions. It's hard for a 40-something-year-old if he doesn't know what he's doing. But the point is, I want you to toil. I want you to struggle through this. I want you to think with your mind. And apply some very insignificant thing to more significant things in life where we're going to have to do the same thing. And that will bring about proven character. And then the thing, too, is they get rewarded for such. Look at what I did. Like how Dane can draw now. Look at what I did, Dad. I can draw these nice pictures. And it's really encouraging to see those things. Well, what about when it comes to our moral fiber? What about our behavior? Well, look at the things that we want to chisel out. And I want you to stop and think about this as parents. If you've not done this, try this at home. That when your children are behaving in a manner that you don't want, have them memorize God's word that deals with a specific problem that they're faced with. For instance, when a child has a problem forgiving others, that's a very important subject matter to learn. I mean, there's no way for us to understand this concept of forgiveness that God has given to us and, and give that to our children, that very concept, unless they learn. Have them read, write, memorize Colossians 3.13. Have them, when they are very spoiled, memorize 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Have them memorize when, when they are not behaving as they ought. Like this rebellious girl in this picture. To look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. I mean, when, when you can chisel out these things and they know God's word, there's a conviction eventually that goes within their lives that they want to behave this way. They want to obey the Father and Mother and the Lord. But this is right. To honor father and mother. That's the first commandment with promise. As given under that old law, well, guess what? In the new covenant that we have, same thing. That law still stands. We have the eternal promise. 
And of course, we could look at verse 4 about fathers, you know, training our children in the way they should go, not provoking them to wrath. But the point is, we want to chisel out those things. But here's what we also want to do. We want to bring out good qualities. For instance, in Proverbs 31, when you read verses 10 to 31, a great, great passage, right? About what this woman who's married to this man who's far above rubies, what she looks like, the way she lives her life. Wouldn't it be wonderful, fathers and mothers, to have your daughters learning this passage, having moms memorize this passage and teaching it to their daughters? When I was preaching this in Bogota, Colombia, one of the moms took this point so seriously that day she started memorizing that text. I came back three weeks later, she had the whole thing memorized. Well, I'd been gone for three weeks, came back to Bogota, and guess what? For herself, she wanted that so she could teach this to her children. How wonderful. She didn't have daughters, but she knew she had sons, and she wanted her sons to see how serious she was with God's Word. And they started having family Bible studies, learning God's Word, memorizing. And each of their sons had those various areas that they thought, this is important for me with this son and with this son and this son, for them to memorize these particular passages. How wonderful. They want to engrave their children in such a manner that their children look like our Savior. And so when we talk about blessings, the end result of what happens when we finally get that product, what we're looking for, Look at the reward. Even though we might lack some of the very behavior we expect from our children, one of the best ways comes through parenting is to tell them, here, I don't want you to lie. i got to work on being honest myself. I don't want you to cheat. I need to work on my integrity. I don't want you to do whatever it is and see where it lies with you. I want my children to be humble. I gotta work on humility. But either we're gonna live by a double standard to do exactly what Jesus says, you know, don't listen to these religious leaders. You know, they're telling you what to do and you need to do them, but they're not living it that way. We don't want to be hypocrites. We want to be consistent. But there are blessings that come as a result of training our children in the way they should go. We have children that grow up as godly servants for the Lord. But it takes time, takes energy, takes diligence to train up our children in the way they should go. But it's an act nothing less short of genuine love. When parents can do this, and do it with a smile on their face, like you actually love your children, and you enjoy raising them up, and all those difficult moments, those trials, are nothing but engravings, if you will, to get out the the yuck, the unwanted stuff, so that what you have left are beautiful, beautiful picture of what looks like our Savior in their lives. And when children are raised up in this way, then they are, in fact, a great blessing. Psalm 144 says in verse 12, Let our sons in their youth be as grown-up plants and our daughters as corner pillars fashioned for a palace. Just gorgeous to behold, very functional, just beautiful, very helpful. That's what we have as our children. Children will rise up and call their mothers blessed and not mock their mother or their father, but speak well of their father and their mother. Speak well. That's what we want of our children. When we have this, then God's name is magnified. 
And brethren, isn't that the whole point of us living here on earth? Until we get to be at home with our Father in heaven. Until we raise our children in a manner so that they can be with our Father in heaven. And that we can be with our Father in heaven. Isn't our purpose here in life to glorify and to magnify our God? Look at what Malachi 1.11 says. Even though this is a book of rebuke against Israel, note the, the point of what verse 11 says. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, among the Gentiles. Brethren, when I say Gentiles today, I'm talking about those outside the body of Christ, those who do not have a relationship with him. Do you want them to turn to the Lord? Because I do. But they will not even listen to you if they see in your life something far different than what they should see in your life. A picture of Jesus Christ. When they see that that you have no regard to raise your children the way they should go, they're not going to listen to you. It's not going to mean much. There's no weight to what you have to say. But when you magnify your God in your life, and you magnify God through the lives of your children, it's very encouraging. There are many individuals that will give you the time of day that would otherwise would not. And listen, we want every opportunity, and I hope you really believe this and sincere about it, every opportunity to magnify your God. That's what we need to be doing. When you engrave character into your children, it is, in my estimation, the most difficult task ever. It is the most difficult. I don't care if you have to go eight years, ten years of law school. It's nothing like a lifetime of raising children. And not just one of them. But a multiplicity whereupon you have all these different personality traits. All the different experiences that you go through. The heartaches. Whether it's one or many of them, it is the most difficult thing, in my opinion. But how rewarding. How awesome. That you get to see your children as they're growing up, turning into the very image that we want to be ourselves. The fruit of our labors, when we do that, is eternal. So I want to ask you right now, what kind of picture do you have in your life? Do you have a picture that is consistent? So that if someone were to to look at your character, look at your behavior, they would be just like the children when you saw that engraving. I see Jesus Christ in your life. Do they see that? I really hope they do. If they don't, we've got a lot more chiseling to do. A lot more taking out of that stuff that is so contrary, doesn't even look like our Lord. But when that happens, how beautiful. And I pray that that will happen today. You know, if you're not a Christian, I want you to stop and think about this. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus said that, right? And so we have that passage and and we have other passages where his disciples went out and did exactly what Jesus commissioned them to do. To go into all the world, preach the gospel. Make disciples. Guess what? Every single person who has ever obeyed the gospel as revealed in the scriptures did it exactly the same way. That carving is precise. Those who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and willing to confess him as such... And willing to turn away from this way of living, this worldly lifestyle, and turn toward the Lord and follow in His footsteps like a disciple would, perfectly? You start looking like your rabbi. 
Jesus Christ. The master teacher. 